Hey guys, it's Peter. Man, it was so good to be back home at Upper Room Dallas this weekend after a long month of travel with my family in Africa. Uh, And this week's message is part one of a two-part series on the priesthood of Jesus. Um, And there has not been a revelation that has shaped my relationship with God and my understanding of the blood uh, in the body of Jesus um, than knowing and experience Jesus as my priest. And so uh, my prayer and my desire is that it does the same for you. Love you guys. Thank you. Wow. I was expecting a little louder, but y'all did this Come here. Isn't my wife beautiful? We just got back from Africa, and um, yeah, praise God. And I wanted to, I wanted her to share uh, because uh, we went with our five kids, which is a sign and a wonder all by itself. Um, and, and I just, I don't know, I feel like there's faith for some of you tonight for mission, uh, and I wanted her to share because we are fresh on, off of a month from being in South Africa with our five kids. We saw God move powerfully. Um, yeah. So why don't you share a little bit about our trip? Yeah, um, first of all, if anybody here helped send us, pray for us, whatever, we are so incredibly grateful because we couldn't have done it without you. So we truly cherished your prayers and we're sad to leave there and we're happy to be back. So um, yeah, Peter just wanted me to share and what I really felt to share with you guys tonight is that I do believe that there are those of you that are in this room and the Lord is awakening your heart to dream big dreams with God. And I was, you know, in my 20s when I dreamed a really big dream with God. And um, I wanna encourage you to dream big dreams with God. And then I wanna encourage you when he asks you to lay the dream down to do that too, because he'll bring it back around in his perfect timing. So just wanted to encourage y'all to walk that journey out with God. I think some of you are probably here and he's inviting you to dream. And so dream. And then there's some of you here and he's saying, give me the dream back, so give him the dream back. Um, I dreamt about Africa 18 years ago, went through a process of having to lay that dream down and am fresh back from the Lord answering so many desires of my heart. And we saw God fling the door wide open. And so when it's God's dream and he's inviting you back into it, he'll fling the door open wide. You don't have to bang it down. So I just wanna encourage y'all with that and bless you in your journey and say, go for it in Jesus' name. If that's you tonight, like if you feel like you've had a dream, but you're like, you, you feel like, man, maybe he's asking you to lay it down. I want you to stand up. Awesome. That process is beautiful, and I've watched my wife. We've both walked it out in a way. Um, God's been so gracious and merciful, but I wanted you to just pray for them. Jesus, I thank you that you are the author of the big dreams that you've put inside of our hearts, God. And I thank you that you're the finisher of them. Lord, I bless every person standing to walk with you, God through every step of the process, Lord. I bless them to be filled with you and your love, God. I thank you that you're most concerned about what you're developing on the inside of us. 
So I bless those here with the journey of hiddenness to be found in you. That the greatest joy is to be found in you. When we have nothing, we're found in you and that's the greatest joy. And so those that are afraid to let go, I say that God is a good leader, he's a good shepherd, and he's a good, good father. And so I bless those here to know that. I impart to them faith for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, if you have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter two. I'm gonna be with you the next couple of weeks. Praise God. So we're just gonna jump into a series. All right. Y'all awake? Y'all good? Or were y'all just teasing in worship? Y'all were just teasing me like you were alive in God? Are you alive in God? Okay, good. Amen. Um, we're gonna look at uh, the priesthood of Jesus over the next two weeks. Um, and for those of you who didn't get excited, it's because the priesthood of Jesus is a very Jewish thing. And it can be hard, I think, sometimes in 2022 to have a real heart connection and understanding of why this is important for us today. It's why it's important for uh, Monday to Saturday, uh, understanding Jesus as your high priest. Um, we're gonna look in the scriptures and, and hopefully um, show you through this this text, um, the importance and the power and the beauty and the majesty behind Jesus as high priest. How many of you know right now the church is undergoing a reformation? There's a, there's a great reformation happening in the body of Christ, and it's not just in America. It's all across the world, I believe. Um, there's just great shakings. Um, there's a lot of things happening uh, around us. There's a lot of narratives. There's a lot of just shakings. Amen. And, um, I want to say a couple of things to that. Number one, um, there's nothing new under the sun. Can I tell you that? Um, there's a lot of people, um, who, who are alarming as if what, what's happening today has never happened before. And it's not true. Um, the, the wickedness, the depravity, the corruption, the conspiracies, it's all happened before under the sun. Amen? And, and the scripture, specifically the Psalms, are filled with promises from God that the, the wicked will pass away and be no more. And that God will save the righteous from the generation of the wicked. That God is a saving God. We serve a God who saves. This is Christianity 101. God saves. So we actually believe that the people, the people that, that are maybe creating a lot of problems in our nation, guess what we believe? We believe that God can save them. We believe that they can be born again that they can encounter the love of God, that they can be heading one way headlong in the fullness of destruction and rebellion and doing wicked things, that they can encounter the gospel, the love of Christ, and that they can turn and go back the other way. Yeah. So 
I just say that for your own conscience, your own sake. Do not get swept away in the tide that somehow what's happening right now is lost on God. The Bible says in Psalms 2, why do the nations rage? He who sits in the heavens laughs. He holds them in derision. Why? Because he's Lord of all. He's king. He's still on his throne. Jesus is Lord. And his body is here in America. It's you and me. Amen. I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. So in this, in this reformation, in this change, um, something I've learned, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, I'm not like an expert in revival history and reformation history, but, but here's what I do know. At the heart of every reformation and every revival is Jesus. Amen? Jesus is at the center of the shaking. He's at the center of the changing. He's at the center of of, of the new. And so when you see what's happening in, in so many things beginning to get shaken, I want you to get excited because I believe this means God is at work. Because when the things of earth get shaken, it means that the things that cannot be shaken will remain, which is the kingdom of God. And if you're seeking the kingdom of God, then you actually get excited when the things of this earth get shaken because you realize that what you're seeking is going to be established. But it's only if you're seeking this earth that you get troubled. I'm going to say it again. If you're seeking, if you're seeking America, if you're seeking the kingdom of America, your heart will be shaken right now. But if you're seeking the kingdom of God, your heart will not be shaken. Now, am I saying we abdicate our responsibility to be lights and to shine and to see the kingdom of God crash into America? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we're at rest, we're at peace, because even though war breaks out against us, even then will we be confident because our trust is in the Lord. The Lord is our portion. He's our portion. He's our life. He's, he's everything to us. And he is not moved in this hour. And I don't want our hearts to be defiled. I don't want our consciences to be worried. It says, do not, look, oh my goodness, I feel the Lord. Psalm 37, look at this quickly. I just, I, I felt, this is so out of bounds. Look at this, Psalm 37. Just a few verses, just a quick bath for your soul, like an appetizer. Psalm 37, one and two. Do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So listen, don't worry about evildoers. That's the word. Don't worry. And, and you're looking at me funny, but, but there's a lot of worrying about the evil happening. A ton of worrying, a ton of fretfulness, a ton of anxiety happening right now that I see in the body of Christ about the evildoers in our nation. And I want you to know they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. 
And this should give you great strength and great courage and great calm and great shalom because God is on his throne. And when God begins to move through his body, all of a sudden light begins to shine, the gospel goes forth, Jesus is proclaimed, people encounter light, they encounter love, and wickedness is dispelled in the presence of light. God has not left himself without a witness in America. And so I need us all to take a deep breath and say, thank you, Jesus, you're on your throne. And when that happens, we can start acting like Christians. All right. I got intense quickly. Um, we're going to look at, at the priesthood of Jesus. I believe at the heart of this, this reformation that we're in, um, I believe Jesus is revealing himself to his church as a high priest. I believe it's his desire, his heart, to, to disclose who he is for us as a priest. I believe for, the, for, for many, many years, um, the church has celebrated the Lamb of God. Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. And, and we will continue to celebrate Jesus, the Lamb of God. But the beautiful thing about Jesus as a high priest, as he is now, and for those of you who are not familiar with this, it's, um, it's a tremendous aspect of the life and ministry of Jesus that we're gonna look at here in Hebrews. Um, but one of the beautiful things I love about the high priesthood of Jesus is that he is actually the most knowledgeable skilled, um, anointed when it comes to dealing with what he did on the cross. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna have a little prop here. We just took communion. How many of you believe that within this meal, the broken body and the shed blood, there's sufficient payment for revival, for healing, for deliverance, to turn our nation back to God? Like, is there anything else we need other than this to see our nation turn back to God? and to see genuine revival. Meaning, when I say revival, I mean wide sweeping restoration of marriages, people being saved, people being healed, people being delivered, it spilling out of the churches into schools, businesses, into the streets, into the homeless community. Like, how many of you believe there is enough power within this meal for that to happen? Okay, good, we're on the same page. Now, why isn't it happening? Jesus is alive right now, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and the Bible tells us that he is alive right now as a priest. Now, the Old Testament priests were the ones who were responsible for the sacrifice. They were the ones that every morning and every evening, they would have to go catch a lamb. Have you ever caught a, have you ever chased a farm animal? <laughs> Every morning and every evening. Yeah, Mufa did. He was a shepherd. <laughs> Think about this. The priest every morning had to chase. <laughs> they knew what was coming. They knew Billy yesterday wasn't with him anymore. <laughs> like, where'd Billy go? Ah, he went to the, that altar thing. That guy grabbed him. 
And so, so picture this. Every morning, the priest would grab the lamb. And it would make that noise, and he would kill it, and he would put it on the altar. He would spill the blood, and he was so aware of the sacrifice. The priest was so connected to the sacrifices. If we were to sit down with a Levitical priest today and I were to interview him and ask him about the Levitical order and ask him about the, the altar of incense and the, and, the, and the bread of the presence and, the, and, and all the things, and the, you know, how did you start the fire? They would tell us in detail how to do everything. And oh yeah, the tabernacle was made of these, these goat skins and it was overlaid and they would, they would bore us with the details of the pomegranates and, they, and they'd be so knowledgeable of these things. And Jesus himself, the Bible says, that he offered himself. He offered himself. And so he, Jesus was both the lamb being slain and now the priest who administers and applies this to his people. Jesus is the great administer of his body and of his blood. And see, some of us, how many of you, if you're really honest, when you come to the Lord's table, you come to the communion table, you feel a little bit like uncomfortable. Be real. Thank you. Most honest one in this room. Just raise your hand. I know there's many of you. you you're like, am I doing it right? I see some of you. <laughs> I've been there. You're like, you gotta make it, you make sure he knows that you're really, you know, because... It's serious, and we know it's serious, but we don't know how to take it serious. We want our hearts to be there. It's like we want our hearts to fully appreciate this, but deep down we know, I don't know that I fully get this. Come on, anyone else? And so the, the revelation of Christ as priest is intended to remove that pressure from you that you would know that every time we come to this table, there is a man who is alive, who is actually, who knows how to apply this to your life. He knows how to take his broken body and his shed blood and apply it to your life. That's what the priest would do. They would take blood and they would sprinkle things. They would take the flesh and they would do things. And so Jesus actually is super anointed at taking his own sacrifice and teaching you about it and applying it to your life and feeding it to you. But for many Christians, we've just, it's like we've dabbled around the shallow end of his sacrifice because we've not been recipients of his ministry as a priest. And so this is something that I really feel like we need to dive into as a community because I believe it's at the heart, at the heart of what he's wanting to do in the days to come. Because ultimately, I believe a priest prepares you and he's preparing us for his second coming. And he's doing that by, by teaching us to honor and understand his first coming, amen? I've learned more about the blood and the body from Jesus as my priest than any other thing. Like he has actively taught me and helped me understand this. And so we're gonna walk through uh, a few bullet points. I shared this this morning, um, but this is just to, to help us connect. So how many of you know Jesus is a wonderful meal? Amen. So I'm gonna just give you some, I'm gonna dish out some, 
some aspects of him. If it's an aspect of Jesus as priest that you're really familiar with, that you, that you enjoy in your secret place that you already know, just give me some feedback with your face. Like, you ever heard someone preach the message that, like, that you really know and you start smiling and you start nodding and you're like, oh yeah, this guy's onto it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? When they're preaching something? So if, if it's that, give me that feedback of like, ooh, I've eaten this before in the word of God, I know that. If it's something you've never tasted before, if it's something new, give me that real puzzled look, like you're confused, like, like I've never eaten that before. Like explain that to me and we'll unpack it a little more. Is that cool? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of this. We could spend the next few months in Hebrews. It's the deep end of the scriptures with no floaties, all right? All right. Everyone have your Bibles? All right, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your desire to reveal your son to us as, as a great high priest. Um, we want to know Jesus tonight in this way. Um, open our eyes. Holy Spirit, would you breathe upon us? Only you can open our eyes to see clearly. And so, Spirit of the living God, come and breathe upon your words and let it make sense to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 2, verse 10. It says, for it was fitting that he, Jesus, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So he's referencing his work as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. Now watch this, verse 11. On the wake of his suffering, it says this, for he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, He's the one who sanctifies, amen? For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, who's that? Us. All have one source. Remember when Vincent did the shout thing? That was a moment for that. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have the same source. They come from one source. And the Bible says that for that reason, because they have the same source, he's not ashamed to call them brothers. So the Bible says the first thing that we, we begin to understand about Jesus as our priest is that he looks at his children, he looks at the people of God who've put their faith in him, who've made covenant with him, and he goes, he tells the father, he goes, hey dad, I'm not ashamed to call Trace my brother. I'm not ashamed to call Josh my brother. I'm not ashamed to call Kirk my brother. Why? Because we all have one source. But the reality is many of us as believers, we're ashamed to be called brother. We don't, we don't actually feel comfortable being brothers with Jesus. If you're honest, it feels like an unworthy title. Why? Because we're aware maybe of the things we struggle with. We're aware maybe of the thoughts we have, of, of where we've come from, of maybe where we're at tonight. 
that we're, we're maybe not walking exactly, but this is the, the source of Jesus saying, my lack of shame is not connected to how perfectly they're behaving. My lack of shame in calling them a, a, a familial title in brother is the fact that I came from the Father and they come from the Father through my work. And it's their source that makes him unashamed. And that this revelation of Jesus as a priest calling us brothers is intended to give you and I confidence. It's intended to make you feel not not so familiar with Jesus that you lose the honor and the awe and the, and the recognition that like he is everything. It's to make you confident that, that you're never alone, that he actually has a sense of ownership of you. Like he's like, that's my brother, that's my sister. And so if something's going on as a priest, he's invested in a familial way. Are you guys hearing me? He's, he's, in, he's invested in a different way than many of us, I believe, think that God's invested in us. And he says, that's my brother. That's my sister. You belong. We, we're in the same family. Like, this is family. Y'all seen the gangster movies? And they're like, it's family now. This is what Jesus is saying. He's going, hey, I need you to know this is no longer servant business. This is no longer your part of my club. This is family. You, you came from my dad, so we're, we're in this together. This is one of the aspects of Jesus as a priest, as he goes, you're mine, we're in family, and, and as a priest, I need you to know that I see you as my brother coming from the Father. Come on. Number two, some of y'all are still chewing on that, but we're gonna keep going. You can do like my three-year-old, if it's the meat and she's chewing it, and she just chews all the juice out of it, and you can just set the thing aside and you chew on it later. It's okay to do that. I see some of you, you're just chewing away. Get the juice out of it, just set it and put it, put it in your pocket and save it for later. You go back to that text on Monday morning, you're like, okay, okay, he calls me brothers. What, what? It's deep, we're going deep. All right, Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Watch this. Therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Selah. Jesus was made like you and I in every respect. Every respect. There is no nuance to your character and your personality into how you're wired that Jesus does not fully and 100% not just understand as God, but understand as a man. Where are my Enneagram folks at? Holler at me. <laughs> you know how sometimes I've seen this where we're like, well, I'm a, I'm, but I'm a six. And so like, they don't, you don't understand. Oh, I'm a four. You don't, I don't know if four say that. Clearly, I'm revealing that I know nothing about Enneagram. <laughs> and we're like, but you don't, and, and relationally sometimes, and, and those are, these are cool tools to help us understand each other more, but, but sometimes we use them in a way to put up barriers and go, but you can't, you can't really understand me because I'm, this is how I am, right? And we project that onto people like, well, you don't, and Jesus, you can't do that with Jesus. 
because he was made like your one and like your two and like your three and like your four and like your five and your six and your seven and your eight and your nine. Every respect, he was made like us. Every respect. And he was made like us. Why? Why was he made like us in every respect? Why did God take on flesh and blood? We could spend a year on the incarnation, and if we did it properly, we would leave every Sunday with our minds blown. God took on flesh. He became a seed in the womb of a woman. May may we never forget the humility, the wonder, the awe, that very God of very God would become a seed in the womb of a woman, that he would take on flesh. The infinite one was confined to a tiny little womb. And he took on flesh. And the Bible says, keep reading, he did that so that he might become, say become. Whoa. God became something. To become something means that you weren't it before. He became something. What did he become? He became a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. So the mercy and the faithfulness of God was elicited through him taking on flesh and blood. All of a sudden, he, he has a perspective that as God, he could have never had before. And he takes on this flesh, and all of a sudden, the Bible says he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. See, if God didn't take on something that could die, he never could have died for us. That's another way of saying it. He took on something that was perishable so that he could actually die and satisfy the righteous requirement of the law, which is death. Had he never taken on that which is perishable, he never could have died. And so in this humility, in him taking on flesh and blood and the things of us, he was made like us in every respect. And so this means that everything that you feel today, tonight, Jesus is keenly aware of. He's not just, listen, you gotta catch this. We, We believe God's aware of it because he's God. We're like, okay, God knows. No, 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 no. He knows because he's experienced it firsthand. I wanna say this again. What, whatever you're feeling tonight, I want you to know this, any negative emotion, anything that's like, you're like, ooh, that's yucky, I want you to know there's a God in heaven right now and he's felt it. He's felt it. Some of the most liberating times in my secret place in prayer is when I'm, is when I'm explaining to God, I'm, I'm trying to like, 
I'm trying to explain to God why maybe I lost my cool with my wife or my kids, which happens very rarely. And I'm like, and I'm like, Lord, I didn't, ah. and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like tell him, I'm trying to build the scenario of why I was being that way. Come on, y'all do that? Like you stumble and you fall and you're like, yeah, but, so the thing was, I was tired and like, I mean, you, and like, you're like, you know he knows, but you're still trying to like build it and get the words. And in some of the most amazing times in prayer, he just tells me, I know, I know, like, like I know. And he'll do something, he'll be like, hey, you remember that, remember that story in the gospels? He's like, I felt that there. I'm like, what? And he'll take me and he'll be like, yeah, I remember, remember John 13 and when Judas was there and he begins to take me into these scenarios of his life and he's like, I actually was feeling those same feelings. Oh, yeah, I, I understand. I, I know why you lost your cool. I'll help you next time. I'm here. And he would just lovingly like walk with me in that way. And that's what he does as a priest is all of a sudden you don't feel like you have to, to bring yourself some kind of way to God. You can just be and he can meet you as you are and he, he can begin to father you. He's merciful. Some of you tonight need to know that God is merciful. That's your word. That's you're gonna go home. You're like, what'd you hear? What'd you learn at church? God is merciful. I encountered the mercy of God. He is alive right now, and the Bible says he's merciful. He knows where you're at. All right, let's keep going. Hebrews 3. Verse one, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. The third aspect of Jesus uh, as our priest, I believe, is this, is I believe he's calling us in this hour to consider him, to consider him. In the midst of all that's happening, that we would actually take time to consider Jesus. And, he, and, and that can be, I used to be really frustrated, like, and I've shared this before, but like, when you say Jesus, it comes with so many, like, that's like saying Father. Like, if I say Father in this room, there's, a, there's 150 different responses to what Father means to you because of your Father because of a father that you had. Like we've all had different father experiences. And some of us, when you say Jesus, it's like, okay. But, but the Bible says, I need you to consider Jesus who was both the apostle and the high priest. Now I wanna break this down because Hebrews is like a, how many of you, when you read Hebrews, it feels like you're reading a theo theology textbook? Come on, it's deep and you're like, I don't get it. Apostle is simply this, it's someone sent from God. So Jesus was sent by God to represent God to mankind. That's what Jesus did the first time as an apostle. He came and he goes, ta-da, this is what God's like. So, so the apostle reveals God to man. That's the role of an apostle. The apostle came, Jesus the apostle came, and when he came the first time to reveal God, he came as a lamb. 
He came to take away the sins of the world. He came healing. He came forgiving. He came delivering. He came with good news and peace and goodwill towards men. This was the revelation of God to man. But watch this. That wasn't all. That's not just, that's not the only part of our confession. He says, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest. What does a high priest do? A high priest represents man to God. So Jesus right now is in heaven and he's representing man towards God. So he came the first time and he says, hey, hey man, this is what God's like. But now he's in heaven going, hey God, this is what man's like. And what does that do? It creates a connection that we would not have without that priest. See, this only comes when you consider Jesus. You consider these things. This has application for your life because I meet too many believers who have anxiety, who are fearful, who are insecure, who are stuck in comparison. And that would not happen if you consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of your confession. And when you consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest, guess what happens? You start to have a confession. You start to say something. You're like, what do you confess? You confess the apostle and the high priest. You're like, you know what? I've been saved by the apostle. I've been washed in the blood of the lamb. I've been born again. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that if I sin, he actually advocates to the Father on my behalf. Like, all of a sudden, you begin to confess things that build you up in the spirit, and not just for yourself, but for one another. See, this confession, this is Christianity, it's not all about you. Some of your neighbors, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, they need to hear your confession of faith. But we've lost this confession. What we say matters. And I think the zeal I feel in my spirit is I see so many Christians confessing things other than the apostle Jesus, the high priest Jesus, the soon and coming King Jesus. This is our confession as the people of God. This is, this is what we have to say. Like, what do you have to say about the world right now? This is what I have to say. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is seated in heavenly places. He's advocating and interceding that his, he's, he's not moved by what's happening and that he's coming again. That's what I have to say. And I want to pray. I want to be one who prays for, for our so-called enemies. There are enemies. There are people who, who are doing wicked, bad things to, to kids and to, like, there's real bad things. I'm not diminishing and pretending that that doesn't exist, but Jesus said, he says, listen, if you want to be my kids, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So what does it look like? It looks like you're getting on your knees and saying, Father, Lift up our president to you. God, I ask that you would encounter him in your love. God, I ask that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that he would have a radical encounter with the gospel. 
God, would you, would you take root in the White House over our vice president, God, over every, every Senate and House and Congress? Would you pour out your spirit, God? God, I believe that you love people. And I bless God. I bless these officials, God. I pray for them, God. I pray that you would restore their mind. I pray that you would bring them to full health and that they would know that you love them. It looks like getting on your knees and, and praying that way for people that, that we, would, we would define as enemies, people that are your, your superintendents that are letting crazy things happen in your schools and going, God, meet them, help them. And then you get in the school board and you vote and you, and you, and you, you stand for righteousness, but don't do that at the expense of praying. Don't be victimized by evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're the light of the world. Go to Hebrews chapter five. We're gonna start closing here. I encourage you, if this, if this topic is igniting something in you and you wanna know more about Jesus as your high priest, I would spend the next few months reading the book of Hebrews. Um, it, I wanna tell you this, it's the kind of book that you have to read over and over and over and over and over and over again before you start to, to capture what he's saying because it is so, it, every line builds upon itself. And from personal experience, what I can tell you is as I've read this book over and over and over again, each little truth becomes like a lattice in my heart that holds the next revelation. And, it, and I've, I don't know how many years I've read this book, but every time almost I read it, it's like he shows me another word, another phrase, he breathes upon it. And upon the lattice in my heart, he begins to continues to instruct and teach and unveil aspects of his character, of his heart, of who he is as, as my priest. And it's, it's amazing. Like it's actually like this book is alive. And so you don't, you don't get it at first glance. You don't get it just with a casual like five minute reading. And some of you say, well, I don't have time for that. Well, I would say you don't have time not to do it. Because, because this, this revelation of Christ as your priest, it, it will change your experience of Christianity. It will prevent you from burning out. It will produce a confidence and a shalom in you that, that no man can take away, that no circumstance can rob from you. And, and I wanna say this um, before we hop into this last se section. Um, I do believe that in this refor reformation and, and there's things being t torn down and, and pulled away, I believe revival 
is coming. I believe revival is here. And, and I, know, I know that word is a buzzword. And, and here's what I mean and what I feel when I say that. Um, I believe revival is simply normal Christianity where the manifest presence of God is among, is among people and, and what was taking place in the early church, which is people were being saved in mass, that there was, there was life, there was life abundant and it was spreading like wildfire. I believe those days are upon us. But I believe in order for that revival to be sustained, not just corporately, but in our hearts, there has to be rest. And I believe that rest is the wineskin for revival. I really believe that. I believe that rest is the wineskin because when I read the scriptures, I see that God promises to his people rest. He promises. He says, I promise you there is a rest for you. And the picture that he gave me was from the throne room. And he goes, I want you to see what this looks like. I said, okay, Lord. He said, in the throne room, you guys all know Revelation 4. If you're in this, if you've been in this house for any period of time, you've, you know Revelation 4. It is an awesome sight. There's, there's lightnings and thunder and, and songs. There's these flaming guys with eyeballs, with wings. They're shouting. It's weird. It's loud. And yet the Bible describes that there is, there is a body of water before the throne. And it is so still that it's like glass. In the midst of this glory and this power and the, and the, and the, and the thunderings. How many of you associate thunderings and power with water like glass? And I believe that water, that water is a picture of the, very, of the very soul of God, the very heart of God. It's just in the midst of his glory, in the midst of his majesty, in the midst of all of these songs and praise, you just see this, this calm sea like glass. And I believe this is the picture. This is the picture of what God wants to do. If the kingdom of God is to come to earth, there's gonna be, there's gonna be lightnings. There's gonna be people like wild on the floor, flopping around. There's gonna be dancing. There's gonna be singing. There's gonna be loudness. But in the midst of it all, there's gonna be this shalom, this peace, this rest that will be sustained. The waters of heaven are not frothing and foaming and, and people aren't anxious and worried and no one's trying to maintain the activity. No one's trying to keep the, the hype going. It's the beauty of God. He alone is sufficient for the momentum of the movement. And so this is why there's a rest, there's a peace, there's a shalom. And I believe when we see corporately Jesus as our priest, there's a rest that comes over us because you realize all of a sudden I'm not on my own anymore. I'm not left alone to figure out what to do with this. I don't have to be the momentum in ministry, in life, like Come on, Christianity is not a burden. It's not a chore. Jesus is in full-time ministry on our behalf. That means you wake up every morning and you're going to have a good day. Because the God-man is in heaven and he's there on our behalf. 
But I think, I, this is my belief, and, and you, can, you can say amen if you believe this too. I believe so many of us live disconnected from the reality of a priest, of the good news of having a priest in heaven, that we wake up and we feel, we feel far from God. We don't feel like he's, he's still invested in us. But when you begin to see him as a priest, you realize, wow, he actually lives to make intercession for me. And that nothing that I'm going through is distracting to him right now. That he's not moved by it. That he's actually super dialed in, super focused, really like intentional about applying his love and his heart to us. And so we're gonna close here. I don't know, J. Lou, if you guys wanna come back up or one of you or all of you. Look at this in verse five. We're gonna continue this study next week. So um, I encourage you to read Hebrews. If you want me to narrow it down, I would read seven, eight, nine, and 10. Why are y'all laughing? That's narrow. <laughs> if you really wanna narrow it, just do eight, nine, and 10. Because eight starts with this. Now the point of what we were saying is this. So that's like the Cliff's Notes. All right, look at five though. We're gonna close with this. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. It's a wonderful description of a high priest. If you want to know, what is a high priest? A, a priest is chosen from among men, is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. So the priesthood of Jesus will directly impact your relationship and my relationship with God because that is his role. He exists in heaven in connection with our relationship. Did you guys see that? And he offers gifts and sacrifices for sins. We know the end of the story. He was the gift, he was the sacrifice. So he's not continually doing this, but he's continually applying it. Now look at verse two. He can deal gently, gently, say gently, with the ignorant and wayward. Since he himself is beset with weakness. So a priest, a high priest, deals gently with the ignorant and deals gently with the wayward. He's gentle. He's gentle in the face of ignorance. Jesus is gentle in the face of ignorance. He's gentle. He's gentle when he sees hearts that go wayward. He's gentle. 
And some of you tonight, maybe you've been ignorant. Maybe you've been wayward. Maybe you've been harsh with the ignorant and with the wayward. And I feel there's an invitation for us tonight just to simply allow this particular revelation of Jesus as our priest. For some of you, you need to just receive his gentle touch. You need to receive the gentleness of Christ. He wants to help you. Make no mistake about it, our priest, he's not passive with sin. He may be gentle, but he's not passive. He will save you. He will heal you, he will deliver you. He will transform your mind, your emotions, your heart, he'll change your desires. He'll show you how he really sees you, what he really feels about you. He's a saving God, he's gentle. And if that's you tonight, you can just respond to God however you want. You can come up here, you can stand, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, do unto him. But he's here tonight to be gentle towards you and to help you, to bestow his grace upon you, to speak identity over you, to pour out his spirit into your heart. Oh, can I tell you, some of you need to just let Jesus pour his spirit into your heart. You stop trying so hard and let Jesus come to you and just pour his spirit into your heart. It'll change everything. I'm serious. He delights to show mercy. delights to show you mercy. And for others, you find yourself being really harsh. You find it hard to be gentle with people who are ignorant and wayward. When you encounter ignorance and waywardness and weakness, you get judgmental and critical. And I wanna bless you if that's you tonight. I wanna bless you and tell you that's not who you are. It's your high calling to be like him. by the Spirit of God, you too can be gentle in the face of people who are ignorant and wayward, family members who are ignorant and wayward, spouses that are ignorant and wayward, you too can be gentle. And I bless you just to put on Christ tonight. Just try him on. Just put him on. Just say, Lord, I just put just put off that old way of thinking. I put off that. Some of you feel like you're even doing God a favor by the harsher you've been. You feel like you've been 
standing up for him. And so wherever you're at tonight, I just wanna encourage you to respond with all of your heart. And so Father, I just, we all come to you. We come to you tonight, Lord.